0: Join us on Archetypes, a dynamic podcast hosted by Megan, the Duchess of Sussex, as she digs into the labels that try to hold women back. In each intimate and candid conversation, Megan is joined by guests like Serena Williams, Mariah Carey, Paris Hilton, Issa Rae, and Trevor Noah as they delve into the roots of countless common descriptors of women, like diva, crazy, dumb blonde, and the B-word, and redefine and reclaim each identity along the way. The complete season of Archetypes is out now wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Want even more of the interesting and Lemonada media content? Subscribe to Lemonada Premium today for access to exciting bonus content, not only from my show, but from all the incredible shows across the network. You'll hear exclusive audio that continues to highlight all the ways that we can make life suck less. The Interesting's premium content, for example, includes explainers on food shortages, religious deconstruction, what to say to mansplainers in the hardware store, if personality tests work, how to talk to your son about reproductive health, and we even do a little good old-fashioned gossiping with some of our favorite guests. All of that, plus it's an easy way to help Lemonada bring you more of your favorite content, and it's all for just $4.99 a month. Check out a free trial of Lemonada Premium today in the Apple Podcast app by clicking on our podcast logo and then the subscribe button. Lemonada. Hey friends, it's V. We are taking the day off, but I wanted to share with you one of my favorite episodes from the past. Much like your favorite movies and sitcoms, it is always better the second, third, fourth time. It's good. It's still good. Take care and we will see you next time. Hank is a popular vlogger, author, and science communicator. His internet creations date back to the early 1990s. In fact, he may have even taught you biology through his entertaining YouTube explainers or thought-provoking TikTok videos. He's also done a ton of cool things with his brother John on their YouTube channel Crash Course. And yes, John Green is the guy who wrote The Fault in Our Stars. There is truly nothing this family can't do. They're like brothers and a multimedia empire just all rolled into one. But today we are here to talk about Hank. Hank is the CEO of Complexly, an education platform you'll find in every high school in America, and DFTBA.com, his merch platform, because overachiever, of course. He's also a New York Times bestselling author and the founder of VidCon, the largest industry and fan convention for online video that is happening, you guessed it, right now. I am actually here right now. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about VidCon, but we're also going to answer your tough, weird, and frankly, a little dark questions about science. Thank you so much for being here. You have been so kind to me since I started my creator journey and just like included me in so many things that I'm just so excited that you are letting me include you over here.
2: Yeah, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for asking.
1: So. You have sort of learned to brand yourself as a STEM guy, and you've essentially become what we all lovingly refer to as the Bill Nye of our generation. Can you (laughs) talk just a little bit? I
2: don't think it's our generation. I think Bill Nye is the the Bill Nye of my generation. Oh, true. (laughs) I don't know how old you are. I'm 40. Okay, then Bill Nye is the Bill Nye of our generation. It is. Yes. Yes, but I was lucky to get uh to get a space in the science communication lane um which I happily occupy.
1: Yeah, so where did that passion for science come from?
2: Oh, for uh, I don't know. Um having good science teachers, my dad was in was certainly um important in that. Uh as was my mom. The my dad when I was growing up was the state director of the Nature Conservancy in Florida. Um, so that that meant that he was working with sort of field scientists a lot. And he'd like, you know, he was a good dad. He'd take me out and be like, here's how the scientists do the science. And I'm like, wow, that's way more boring than I thought it would be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you only hear about the results. You don't hear about the years of work that go into the results where you're just digging holes. And that uh, – but also that meant that, you know, I, I had exposure to that and was interested in it. And, and they – my teachers and my parents very much indulged me. Um, and I loved, I loved it. I loved science fiction. I, lo- I have had a, a subscription to Scientific American magazine since I was maybe 15. Still have it. Still really good. It's a great magazine. I still have one thing made of dead trees that comes to my house every month.
1: I appreciate the classicness of that. There's something about holding the tree that helps you be closer to science when reading about yeah. science. Was well, that
2: I mean, it, it sort of like convinces me that I should read more of it.
1: <laughs> was your and your brother was very into this too, or was it like a competitive thing, like who was who was Daddy's better geek, or like what was the competition <laughs> like? Because <laughs> I'm my father's uh, favorite son, and I have a brother, so I know what that's like. So it's like, yeah,
2: I, I, my. Um I th- I think that they always they they I once said I don't feel like our parents have a favorite and he was like that is such a favorite child thing to think. That's yeah, cuz you're the um, favorite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um the um the the dynamic was very much w- not uh competitive in that way. Like John was never into science. I was always into science. He was always writing fiction and poetry and you know, reading James Joyce and I was like, never going to, never. I still will never read James Joyce, though I'm sure it's very good. That's
1: what's so great about you and John is the tag team. It's like, one of you yeah. is like super literacy guy and the other guy is super science guy and together, are, yeah. great date. Mm-hmm. Great date.
2: It is actually. It it, it it turned out to be a very good um, set of, uh, a sort of a very good differentiation for us to have, especially when we started Crash Course, where it was like, you do the science stuff, I'll do the humanity stuff and we'll go
1: yes and for folks who like aren't familiar with your work which i truly cannot think of anybody who wouldn't be um you've been a content machine since the 90s you run the youtube channels you've got online companies like you just said crash course um and you're creating educational videos you've written books like
2: how did you get started on this just in general i uh I don't know, there's always there's gotta be some kind of deep seated need for attention that has to be there, right? I think that all the creators have that. Mm-hmm. Um not that I not that there was a reason. A lot of people are like, it's because I was ignored as a child, which I was not. I was a very very happy childhood, very good. Uh, another way we know that you're the favorite yes <laughs> <laughs> um, but i did i mean i did feel pressure to um be successful uh, that, i mean by society by family by whatever um and that has meant like following whatever it is that's working um and, and not being so interested in whether or not it's it's almost like the the part where it's working is more important than what exactly the thing is for me, which is not the case for everybody, but is the case for some people. It, the, the the part where it works is the is the part that drives me forward. So I chase whatever's working, and but then sometimes not. Sometimes you have to start from scratch, like with with books. But um, the uh, the sort of online media thing very much started as. You know, I made a website and people went to the website and that was a good, that was a good rush. People were reading the things that I wrote and then I started another website and then another website. And then, um, when John was like, we should make this videos on this new thing called YouTube in 2007, which had been around for like a year, uh, we were going to try that out. And, uh, and also I would, was, would, would do and probably still would do whatever my older brother told me is cool. Um, and that, but that was very much the dynamic then. If John was like, this thing is cool. I was like, I agree. This band is good. I will listen to everything they ever made. It was that, kind of that situation. Not that he's ever led me astray. He like, has very good taste in music.
1: That's a good, that's such a great point on just having a sibling and the importance of having siblings for those of us that are so lucky to have them, that you do just get this immediate friend, right? It's your friend for life. Like I always say, like, because I have my sister, if I don't have any other friends, she'll just have to pick up their slack. And that's always good. You you get like a sense (laughs) of security that you don't otherwise Uh have. And they just guide you into these things. It sounds like you didn't go into it with any intention necessarily of being TikTok famous or YouTube famous. You just went into it with curiosity and like, I'm going to hang out with my brother and see what
2: happens. I think that we had a, a th- idea that YouTube was going to be bigger next year than it was this year. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we had an idea that that would continue to be the trend for the next 15 years. But um, But I knew that something really interesting was going on just from sort of having a cursory understanding of of how the early history of television went I was like ah if there if if there aren't people saying what like if there isn't a limited quantity of access to channels through which video can flow that changes everything everything's out the window like that is completely if it's if, you, if the technology is there to make video more easily and the technology is there to distribute whatever amount of video there is, everything's out the window. Nothing's the same. No one knows what it's going to be, but it's not going to be what it was. That's very much how it felt to me. And a lot of people were like, stop, stop, like, and I'm wrong about stuff so much, but I was super right about that. And uh, so I didn't, I, I. It certainly didn't imagine what it would be, but I had a strong feeling that it was going to be a big deal.
1: And it was. And then there have been platforms that have come after that. That Do you find yourself hearing about a new platform and you're like, I'm going to get on that right away? Because again, it is about almost, it's almost
2: as much about being first as it is about being talented. Like, I don't know. Uh, so I, like I, I downloaded Musical.ly back when it was Musical.ly and I was like, this is not a place for me. Mm-hmm. Um and then when I, when like people started to say, I remember with this with Vine, when people started to say, you need to be on Vine, Vine is going to be a big deal. And I, I, you know, I went and I looked at, at Vines and I was like, yeah, there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on here. But I never did Vine because, well, I did a little bit, but I never like leaned into Vine. One, because the stuff that I did didn't take off at all. Like it didn't get like, you know, people weren't enthusiastic about it and second it was it's actually really hard to make good content in six seconds and it's also not like what i do Uh, even even 15 or a minute was uh if 15 30 or a minute like like tiktok has sort of expanded into um seemed like that's you know that's not enough to do what i want to do turned out that it was but the um what what really changed it was uh, I think, honestly, I posted some content and like within the first five videos, something did really well. And that's like TikTok's superpower when it's like, here, I would like you to have this brain candy of success. Get addicted to it. And uh, I use platforms that I enjoy using and I enjoy using TikTok. I do not use Facebook because I find it. Except for, you know, like the way that a normal human would use Facebook to connect with friends. Because I find it, as a creator, just a deeply miserable experience to use Facebook. I would agree Whereas on TikTok, that. it's like uh, constant. Like cool like people I think are cool interacting with my content lots of people I don't know interacting with my content my content getting sucked into areas of TikTok it's never been sucked into before and like having that experience not knowing what's going on not knowing why things succeed is it's such a casino environment it's like you might as well block out the windows take out the clocks and make the the carpet patterns really busy so that we don't know that the time is passing it's it is a slot machine for creators and th- and like I don't think that's necessarily a good thing, but it certainly uh, works on when me. When you're hot, you're hot, and everyone else. It, it that's does. right. When you're hot, you're hot.
1: It is dopamine hit after dopamine hit, showgirl yeah. after showgirl, casino win after win. <laughs> there, it's got everything, right? Yeah. Well, we've got almost everything here, including an attempt to explain bee poop and the mysteries of, I cannot believe him, of butt hair. More with Hank Green after this.
0: Wiser Than Me Season 2 is out March 27th from Lemonada Media. People love to pretend that there are simple formulas for living your best life now. Eat
1: this and you won't get sick. Manifest it and everything will work out. But there are some things you can choose and some things you can't. And it's okay that life isn't always getting better. I'm Kate Bowler and on Everything Happens... I speak with kind, smart, funny people about life as it really is. Beautiful, terrible, and everything in between.
0: Let's be human together. Everything Happens is available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: We are back with Hank Green. Hank, Earlier this year, you made a video about the different ways that platforms pay their creators, specifically how YouTube does it versus TikTok. Can you just kind of like recap that for us? Sure.
2: Yeah. So so the way that cre- creators are paid by TikTok is there's a an amount of money <clears throat> that at this point is a mysterious amount, though initially they said how much it was. And then uh, every day that so, like over a year, every day that amount of money is divided into one three hundred and sixty fifth, and then that amount of money is distributed amongst everybody who's a part of the TikTok Creator Fund based on how, like, basically how much time people spend on their content. So, if you have on that day a video that goes super viral, you can make a you know a, a larger percentage of that amount, um, and you're splitting it with everybody else in the fund. And so, what that means is that the the amount that TikTok pays per day is the same every day, no matter what. So if there's 10 times more views on TikTok that day, you make 10 times less money per view because they're just more, and as more and more people show up on the platform, TikTok makes more and more money, but it's sharing the same amount of money. As they sell more advertisements, they make more money, but it's sharing the same amount of money. So creators bring more people onto the platform. TikTok is every day, it's the top app in the app store. They're becoming more and more successful, but they're paying out exactly the same amount of money every day. Whereas on YouTube, creators get a 55% cut of all advertisements that play on their videos. That's the deal. And so if, if like I have, and so not only if I have a video that goes viral, if I have a video that goes viral amongst people who are more valued by advertisers, Uh, or I'm talking about a topic that is more valued by advertisers, all that stuff goes into making more or less money. So if you have an audience that, and like, so there's unfairnesses to this, of course. If you have an audience that is lower income, if you have an audience that's less desirable to advertisers, if you have a younger audience, if you have a more South American audience, for instance, all these things mean that you make less money because you are getting a cut of what YouTube makes. Whereas, you know, if you're making stuff that's really brand safe, like I do, and it's a bunch of college bound or college- uh, like people currently in college, which uh, you know, Crash Course's stuff is. Crash Course has some of the highest ad rates I've ever seen on YouTube for that reason. And uh, super brand safe, super good halo for the brand to be associated with. And like most of the people are uh, college educated or college bound, and that matter, all that stuff matters a lot to advertisers. So that uh, th- that there's like there's like unfairnesses there, but overall. The amount of – the percentage of YouTube's money that goes to creators is about 55%. There's some reasons why it's not exactly 55%, but it's about 55%. And the percentage of TikTok's money that goes to creators is a mystery, uh, but according to my calculations, is a, a tenth of that probably.
1: Woefully low, woefully low. Now you just said that you do a lot of brand-safe content, but I want to push back on that, Hank Green, because I have watched your videos and you answer some of the most insane and unhinged questions I've ever heard. Like,
2: yeah, why is brand safe on TikTok?
1: <laughs> why do humans have butt crack hair, and what yeah. is bee poop?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, both of those are brand safe. I mean, uh, it's just that's the human body. There's sometimes there's hair in the butt crack. It's a mystery that uh that everybody wants to know the answer to. And bee poop is just bee poop. Now, but come it, on. The answer everybody to, poops.
1: But to why do humans have butt crack hair is truly I believe you said like because there's nowhere else for it to go. It just has to go somewhere.
2: What? No. What, what was the answer?
1: So.
2: Uh it's it isn't it isn't known. Um so there's there's several different theories, but I the I think that the uh in my head, the leading theory is that it's a, it's for anti-chafing. So it, the individual hairs can roll around each other. They also get coated with sebaceous wax um, so, so that there's sort of like a little bit – it's like a lubricant almost. And it's like they're there to hold the lubricant and also to roll across each other, like almost like long skinny ball bearings so that you don't – your butt crack doesn't get chafed as much, which um, I feel like would be really easy to do. You just go to a marathon and you ask people how much trouble they have with chafing. And then you ask them how much ass crack hair they have. And uh, and you hope that they answer you accurately. <laughs> which, is, which, now that I say it, is not easy because, like, how do you know where you fall on the butt hair bell curve? I mean... Like,
1: I think a good audience to survey could be folks who are on T or taking testosterone because one of the major side effects is an increase of butt crack hair, which is very concerning. It's, It's one of the least fun parts.
2: We finally have the experiment. We we're have ready. A, we're ready. Be like, how is Ches chafing
1: improved? Has chasing I need to know this, guys. <laughs> and also, does is that why men have nipple hair? Does that have to do with chafing? Is this all for us to be able to no, run more no. quickly? No, no I think nipple question. hair is
2: purely aesthetic.
1: Just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> just something to do. The ladies loved it, and yeah. so it
2: just kept on happening. It's like a
1: wreath for your useless nipple. It <laughs> just... <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is a wholesome show. And then bee poop. I am interested uh-huh. in this. It, what's the functionality of bee poop, then?
2: Well... I mean, it's the same functionality as all poop. You eat stuff that you don't want to keep inside of your body uh-huh. uh, or stuff gets uh, used up and you don't want it in your body anymore. So your digestive system is basically the out, on the outside of your body. So like in, in in a way. So a lot of the like it doesn't really get absorbed into your body until it moves through the walls of your digestive tract. And then what. What is left afterward is, like, a lot of bacteria, a lot of, like, fiber from, like, indigestible fiber, a lot of, like, the waste of bacteria. And there's also some stuff that gets secreted that that uh, isn't stuff you ate. Mm-hmm. It's stuff that your body secretes into your – but yeah. anyway. But with bees, the – uh, thing that they eat that they can't digest is pollen. So bees collect pollen, and they do like stuff with pollen. But like they 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 eat nectar, and oftentimes the nectar and the pollen are mixed together. And so they will just eat the pollen, and then they'll get the nectar. They like they have a special organ in their body that separates the nectar from the pollen, and then they just put the pollen right back at the end. And so that that's actually uh, th- that pollen could fertilize a flower if it poops on a flower, uh, which sometimes they do, and pr- probably usually they don't. But maybe, I don't know. Like, they're where are bees? Mostly on flowers. I, think, I don't think they like to poop inside of their houses.
1: I was wondering that. I'm like, is there poo in the hives? Is it getting the honey? Do you have to pay extra for that? Like, I yeah. buy some bougie honey sometimes, you know? Am I getting like a higher fecal <laughs> bee content? Like, is that what makes it so sweet? We, we
2: don't know. Well, maybe yeah, you I know. Mean, I, <laughs> I bet that I think that anything with bees, you can sell it. <laughs> What do you
1: think it is about your videos that resonate with so many people? Is it the education? Is it the way that you construct the video? Is it just your general likability and, like, enthusiasm? <laughs> is it all of that?
2: Yeah, I think that there is a—so sometimes people—one uh, of the thing, a tip for creators, never talk about the thing that people don't like about you because then they'll notice it more. <laughs> but— <laughs> That's I'm okay at this advice. point um and i sometimes people will tell me i'm a bit I'm a bit much and uh the reason why is because that 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 is a something that other people like so some people don't like it other people don't like it this is a normal thing for creators you will not be universally appealing um and uh and and that is when i when I'm doing that I'm not thinking about it I mostly am just actually excited. I think that obviously, like the the, the having the camera on me might turn that up a couple notches, Mm -hmm. but um, but I think that there is something to that part of it. I'm I'm not much of a barrier. Like me, people look at me and they don't, and they say like that makes sense. Kind of. Um, I think that this is a like this is problem generally with content is like your brain is doing a bunch of subconscious work that you don't know it's doing. And when somebody is saying something and you don't, and you're like, that doesn't seem like the kind of person I would normally see making that kind of content, uh, your brain's doing all that work and you're not spending as much time like enjoying the content. Uh, Like a lot of people will talk about this as like um, terrible about an individual, like the bias of the individual doesn't allow you to enjoy science content from a, a, you know, a black woman the same way as you would from a white man. Um, I like to think of that as like a, A normal human trait that uh, being part of a society creates and we uh, need to learn it and and live with it and not be ashamed of it or else we will just turn it into shame or anger and not be able to actually like work around it. Um, TikTok has been really good about this because I have noticed that my science content does really well with women on TikTok and it does not do well with women, even on YouTube shorts, which is the exact same video in the exact same format and on a different platform. Now, TikTok is more female than YouTube is. Mm-hmm. But not like dramatically, It's, you know, 60, like, 40. it's not like yeah. it's not yeah, it's not like 90-10 and 10-90 or something. So the um I think that When we are asked to make a choice is actually the part where most bias is involved because there are so many choices available. Whereas on TikTok, when you just swipe and suddenly there is an excited person who maybe isn't exactly what I would expect, being excited about something I wouldn't expect them to be excited about, I didn't choose to enter into that situation, but, like, I am captured by it. Uh, And so, like, what we are captured by is different from what we choose. And that, I think that that has actually allowed for a sort of broader diversity of successful people on that platform. So there are goods and bads all over the place. But um, so I think that that's part of it. I think that um, I. Uh, but but I would. What I would like to think is that I am good at conveying complicated ideas simply. Uh, at leading people through my own curiosity and my own enthusiasm into their curiosity and enthusiasm, which we all have. We just maybe don't know about it in the moment. And, uh, and the thing of it is, I am that curious and excited. Yes. <laughs> it's not made up.
1: Are are there like other science guys still so popular because on my for you page all of the science content especially all of the like NASA or space content I get is mm. women. You have like Electric mm-hmm. Cat or you have Astro Alexandra. Like mm-hmm. I it's almost all or space girl. Um I never really see men in the way that I did like when I was growing up and every single one of my science teachers except for Miss Pies, God love Miss Pies was a man. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Right. And like the, the legacy of the science guy, like it's literally right. in the name, right. um, you know, Mr. Wizard, Beekman, Carl Sagan, you know, they, they, they all, Bill Nye, they all looked the same. Like they, they were all like nerdy white guys. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, uh, and, you know, I, and I think that like, yeah, and like happy to be a nerdy white guy in the space, but also happy to be sharing that space with a lot of people and, and, and in general, happy to be in a world where the, because a lot of these barriers have been brought down, it isn't about like, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson gets to be the science guy now. Mm-hmm. It's like Neil deGrasse Tyson gets to share science guyness with like 300 other people who are, you know, enthusiastic faces of science and they all look different from each other.
1: This is a great time to take another quick pause, but when we come back, it is VidCon week. We'll talk about the conference's origins and Hank's role in shaping everyday school curriculum, specifically through the educational YouTube channel, Crash Course. Keep listening.
0: I am June Diane Raphael. And I'm Jessica St. Clair. And we would like to invite you on a hilarious and heartfelt journey each week on The Deep Dive. From navigating the chaos of motherhood and family to exploring the depths of grief and loss, we are just two best friends who process life together and with you guys. Discover our secrets to finding joy amidst the madness and get ready for unfiltered conversations about life, love, and everything in between. And nails. We talk a lot about nails. Now, community is everything to us at The Deep Dive. We believe in the power of connection and the strength that comes from supporting one another. And we would love to have you with us. So be sure to join us every Wednesday on The Deep Dive from Lemonada Media, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Lemonada listeners, we want to hear from you. You know we love our sponsors for a ton of reasons, but one of the main ones is that they help us keep the lights on. And there's a really easy way that you can help us draw new advertisers and hear ads for things you're most interested in. Filling out our quick anonymous survey at lemonadamedia.com survey. By just answering a few questions, you can help us find new brands to connect with and also share feedback about show content you'd like to see across the network. And to sweeten the deal, once you've completed the survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Visa gift card. I promise the survey is short and sweet and will help us play ads you don't want to skip and also keep bringing you content you love. Just go to LemonadaMedia.com survey. You are also a
1: person who is what I would describe as extremely available. Like for being the size creator you are, the amount of work that you do, I've been able to get in touch with you like fairly easily. You respond to people. You respond to comments. You're constantly duetting and stitching people's questions to you. You talk about your wife. You talk about your kid. You talk about your family. You obviously put all of you and your brother's communications for an entire year on the internet. (laughs) Can you talk just a little bit about the rawness of being extremely available to people?
2: Um I'm not as available I don't think I'm as, avail- as available as you you think I am uh but who knows who knows which one of us is right um I'm certainly more available to you so like you're you're basing this off of your experience I'm I'm pretty available to people whose content I really really like um and uh and and there's a big there's a pretty wide spectrum of of, of that and there's certainly people who DM me on on TikTok who don't get a rapid response. Um, <laughs> well, I appreciate the, that. And it's, and it's not its not that I don't like the content. It's just like, you know, there, there's all kinds of different stuff on the platform.
1: Hank Green, are you um, saying that
2: we're friends? Uh, at this point, <laughs> we must be. Uh, okay, good. I'm, I'm, yeah, um, <laughs> I'm going to take that. Uh, I'm
1: going to be like, my interpretation of Hank Green Online was skewed by the fact that we are maybe secret friends. We are... <laughs> But more, I'm thinking about, like, every time I'm yeah. watching your videos, there's always, like, a comment in the thing where, like, I can tell that you or someone from your team has pulled this through and been like, we want to reach out to this person. We want to make this person's question be answered. And I just think that's so cool.
2: Yeah. Um. So. So, I mean, one – I, you know, I want to make content on TikTok. I want to continue to make content on TikTok. Um, I don't want to sort of like disappear. And so I needed stuff stuff to make content about. So people asking questions and people tagging me in the comments to questions um, and then Peyton, my assistant, finding those and then DMing them to me is a big part of how I uh, make content. And so, like, I don't – like, I often don't – you know, you don't know – just like when you're having a conversation, you don't know your stories until somebody tells a similar story and then you're like, ah, I remember that time that I was at the dermatologist and this happened. Um, and uh, so, so, I don't know my stories until people ask the questions oftentimes. So, I need that. Um, now, one thing I will say is that um, everything you see – like, all of me that you see on the internet is is real, but not all of me is on the internet. So, like, nothing nothing I'm putting out there is fake, but you're not getting everything. Like, you I, – I will occasionally make uh, a piece of content um, that involves my son, but, like, I don't I, – I'm not asking him to perform. I don't like to – I don't – his face isn't in any of it. Um, and, uh, and I, like, mostly what I want to do – uh, with that content is to some extent to humanize, to be like, hey, remember, I'm a person because it's good to do that sometimes because people can forget. And uh, and then the other piece is I do want to model like a good productive uh, father-son relationship because, it, you know, I th- there are lots of people out there doing that, but like I, I think that it's a, a productive thing to do um, to show people that, uh, you know, the, the value of paying attention and the value of, like, loving a child and the value of having a child and all of that stuff.
1: Because we have to take the way that we've traditionally consumed public figures and change it, right? Because TikTok is what I like to call the community theater of social media platforms because we want to see each other as <laughs> ourselves in like our own little play that we put on by ourselves. And yeah. that is such a stark difference from the way that we have been trained for decades and decades that no, no, no. These are the authority figures that the network has selected to tell you the news, to educate you, to entertain you. Or these are the celebrity figures that the music industry has selected to perform mm-hmm. for you, to influence the way that you experience culture and music. And you need to understand that they are untouchable. They are not real people. They are these figments that we have created in a, a image of perfection. And then we have reinforced mm-hmm. that in perfection on platforms like Instagram. And something I'm just learning about now, and um, we'll get to experience shortly, is the convention side of the creator universe, (laughs) VidCon, something that you and your brother created, of course. Um, Can you talk about the importance of taking people out of the screen, putting them into the room, having the space where the creator and the audience all kind of mix together?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that um, as creators and especially as creators who don't see a ton of – it's not like your life – like when you when you have a hundred thousand followers on TikTok, your life changes that much functionally. You know, it's not like you get a bunch of money or you get a bunch of like deals or something. It's just like that. You know, even even up to like two million, basically, not a lot changes. <laughs> just you know, people will recognize you, but you don't make. You're not making more money. Like it's it's really hard to sort of bridge to like make it to the point where you're actually a professional creator. But because there isn't that much change that comes along with it, our minds tend to discount those numbers and imagine that that can't actually be that many people. Like I understand that a hundred thousand people would fill you know like the largest stadium in America, um, and I understand that there are, there are fewer than a hundred thousand people in my town which is the third largest town in montana i understand that it's a lot of people but i don't understand that it's a lot of people until you're in a room with two thousand of them you know or more than that and that uh is i think that that having that connection is really important to uh to creators i think it's also really important to the industry i think one of the great things about vidcon is that it has like a a sort of the community track, which is for like audience and fans that has the creator track for creators and has the industry track all happening simultaneously, which is not an easy thing to pull off. Um, and the but that allows for the industry to understand kind of their place, which is not on top of all of these things. It's kind of underneath all of it. And that, uh, you know the, and and the, and also that the the people adding the value, Certainly, they add value. The people really creating the value are the audiences and the creators. Um, And I I like for them to be in that space where they understand that, like, they understand the magnitude of the energy that's involved here.
1: Do you feel like VidCon – you're a person who really knows how to fill the gaps, right? Like, you look at something and you're like – there's a gap here and I'm going to fix and fill it. And that's like what you did with the science content. Um, one of our producers here at Donnie was when I we said we were doing the Hank Green interview, she was like, Oh my God, I remember watching his videos in my science class and history classes. That's so incredible. I'm so excited he's gonna be here too. He's like everywhere. Is this part of like the ethos and overall goals of Hank Green, or is this just like who you are? <laughs> You're just a gap filler. You're just like, I see a I see a need, I feel a need.
2: Well, I mean, that's how you that's how you do. Business. Right. That's how you create it, 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 in, in content as well. Um, you have to find like a you know a, a a break in the canopy where there's some sunlight coming through um, to grow something new. And that, uh, uh, yeah. It, and I definitely with VidCon 100 percent saw that. Like mm-hmm. there was there. I was like somebody is going to make a convention in this space, mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. going to do it in a way that's going to make me so mad. <laughs> And frustrated I'm just yeah gonna, i'm gonna it's gonna be like like everything about it's gonna piss me off and <laughs> yeah. so i'm like i it's so to some extent i was like i like i want to do this like and i i had been to lots of lots of conventions i love like anime conventions harry potter conventions i had been to like automobile s- stuff as a journalist um so i had been to lots of of shows of various kinds and um new uh and like studied some of them that had worked, like PAX, Penny Arcade Expo, and I was like, I I think that we can do this. The only thing that's, that that the only question that exists is, will people show up? And so I emailed them, and they said yes. And I was like, well, then it's gonna work. Um, so I knew that there, I knew that it was gonna happen. And I I was like, if I if I don't do this now, somebody else is gonna do it very soon and uh, and other and it turns out other people have done it and done good youtube conventions and i didn't hate them <laughs> so I, I was maybe the worry was a little unfounded but um mostly it was you know that that opportunity existed and i very much wanted it i wanted to have a, t- a time to like a big part of what's valuable about vidcon is hanging out with other creators and and just getting a chance to develop more like deeper relationships which is so important in the creator community because like we don't have like you know musicians labels love them or hate them they have a huge amount of control and a huge amount of power and they can and and that causes problems and they serve themselves a lot but they also serve their artists um and so there's an advantage there that that Uh, online video creators don't have like there is no group of three companies that own 70 percent of the industry that can walk into the room with tiktok and say like we're going to pull all of our our creators off the platform unless you give them some money we don't have that so we need to be at least talking to each other about our problems and about how we've solved our problems how we support each other and vidcon is good at that
1: I want to ask you about supplementing um, for the education system, because if we're going to talk about the government or mention them at all, we, of course, (laughs) have to mention the Department of Education and some of the failings, (laughs) um, not just in core curriculum and what the content of that curriculum is, but also in methods. And did you start doing your programs to supplement the holes you saw in education, or are you hoping that this is something that sort of drives them towards changing their methods altogether?
2: We are divided up into thousands of school districts and they all govern themselves and they fund themselves autonomously. They all have different systems for how to fund themselves. They all have different, just like every state has a different system for how they draw the lines and and whether it's like county by county or school, school district by school district or city by city, all very complex. And so there is no education system in America. There are thousands of them. And- in, and because of that, uh, some states have developed, like, ways that you, ha- like, have to do educational content um, in order to be, like, a vendor for a school system so that the school system pays for that content. And all of that stuff is different in different states. And so it becomes this tremendous – like, you like an educational media company that sells to school systems spends more time trying to uh, make sure that they meet all of the standards than they do creating educational content. So the goal of Crash Course um, is to just be there. Like, the we only have to be useful. And if we are useful, then we are used. And if we're not useful, then we're not used. That's it. Um, and so we didn't really see any of that when we were making Crash Course. We were like, wow, it'd be fun to make educational YouTube videos if somebody pay, pay us to do it because um, it's hard. And so we got funding from Google to do it. Um but what what it has led me to is there is a better way and the and the but the better way has to be being useful but not required and people using you when they find you useful and competing on that market rather than competing on the market of trying to sell to school systems and because we are not no like administrators for the most part don't even know about crash course like they're the last people to find out about it Students find out about it first. Teachers find out about it second. Administrators find out about it last. And like that's how that's where I want to be. I want to be useful to the students, and the students tell their teachers. That's that's the marketing funnel for us. Now it's hard because you got to figure out a way to fund it uh, instead of selling it. But that's we're innovating in that space as much as we can. Do you
1: see that being as big a problem as a lot of folks are worried about, or do you think? At the end of the day, folks will somehow come around and do the right thing and say, I don't want to live in a country
2: with a bunch of kids who didn't learn. I do think it's a huge problem. And I think it's a huge problem because if you catch the 60% most affluent kids, you catch 90% of the most powerful parents. At this at the people who were really underserving don't have are, are disenfranchised. They don't have a lot of impact. They don't have a lot of voice. Um, You know, talk about people being silenced and it's like, maybe we should be thinking instead of asking who's being silenced, we should ask who we aren't hearing from and we aren't really hearing from those people. And because they're too damn busy and too stressed, like they have too much to do to make uh, like the heating and the food happen on this in the same month. And, and I I think that it would be very easy to go down a path where we say, all right, public education is kind of secondary now. We're going to have a lot of systems for teaching people. And what that means is that public education is only for the people who have the least. And then it gets easier and easier to give it less and less funding. And this isn't like bad for those students. It's bad for America. like it's It
1: is, yeah. All right, friends, we are going to shift gears in just a moment. Hank is going to answer some of your burning science questions, and he'll tell you which one of his videos has had the most impact. Hi friends, I have an exciting announcement. You can now show your support for our show with your very own Let's Be Smart Together t-shirts, mugs, and tote bags. You can order all of the new V Interesting items and more at www.lemonadamedia.com shop. Let's be smart together and match outfits.
0: Think about a moment in your life that changed you, where one day you were yourself and then the next day, poof, you weren't. I'm Stephanie Whittleswax, host of the show Last Day, and each week I sit down with a new guest to explore happy, sad stories of transformation. Some last days are hopeful, some are tragic, but on the other side of every last day is a fresh start. Come laugh, cry with us. Listen to Last Day wherever you get your podcasts.
1: What's a video of yours that you think is just Then one of the most impactful ones something that
2: somebody's like yo I watched this and it really hit me um as far as crash course goes um I hear that most with our whole anatomy and physiology series which uh is very helpful if you are getting a a nursing degree or your pre-med and uh which is a lot of people and it's certainly a lot of like we need more people doing that work and uh uh, that that's that feels very good to me. Um, and then in terms of like Vlogbrothers is, is sort of more focused on like more broad how to be a person type stuff. And it's really by virtue of how all this stuff works. Like we end up with an audience that is kind of composed of people who are quite like us. And I think that people can have a hard time figuring out what like how to not be miserable right now. And uh, so that that's kind of the work that we we ch- have been trying to do recently because it's just the the sort of like and it's almost like a crisis crisis. Mm-hmm. We've got the housing crisis, and you've got you know a student loan crisis, and you've got the climate crisis. That's a big one. So there's like there's like everything is uh, and it's not like any of these things aren't crises. <laughs> they, like, are. <laughs> uh, yeah, they are. They um, are. The you know th- and uh, there's just so much, and we're sort of asked the world to care about all of the things.
1: I do have some questions from the audience in a lightning round for Hank Green, if you're ready. Are you ready? Set the timer. Uh Here we go. (laughs) People want to know, if a coin were to fall from the top of the Empire State Building, could it actually kill you?
2: I don't think so. I don't know what the terminal velocity of a coin would be, but certainly um, I think that it would smart quite a bit. Uh, But like, there's definitely... There's definitely a a size and shape of thing that's between a coin and a bowling ball. And I might be surprised by how small that thing is. I don't know what it is, though.
1: But for this moment, probably no. So one less thing to worry about in this. One less thing to worry about. (laughs) Uh, Next question. These are dark. Can you
2: survive a lightning (laughs) strike? Oh, Sure. People do it all the time. Um, the, there are all kinds of problems to surviving a lightning strike. Um, you know, obviously there's a recovery period, um, but also it it um, increases your chances of depression, which is really interesting um, because it can mess with brain stuff. Also, it increases. This is a, this is my favorite lightning strike fact. Getting struck by lightning increases your chances of getting struck by lightning again by a tremendous amount, and that is the correct face to make. What is? Tell me what that face the, tell me what, so if you are that surprised, does it make you, th- what does it make you think? What does that level of surprise make you think?
1: I would think like, man, if I had to do that one time, one should be enough. And so <laughs> if, if it happened once, then is there like some residual lightning in me? And did I get a superpower in exchange? Cause then I'm willing to do it twice. But like, that seems grossly unfair.
2: Yeah. Indeed. Um, so, so you're, you're right. You went to supernatural and at supernatural. You ask yourself something must, something wrong must be happening here. And here's the wrong thing. If you, it is not that it makes you more, it, it's not that it increases your chances. It's that you were already living a lifestyle that made you more likely to get struck by lightning. And that is an identifying factor. Having gotten struck by lightning is an identifying factor for a person who is likely to get struck by lightning. And so it's not that they are more likely, they were always more likely and they remain more likely. But it, you don't get that data point until the first time you get struck by lightning.
1: Oh my God. That makes so much sense for so many things that happen to you, though. <laughs> uh, next yes. question on our
2: lightning There's, round. I have heat one. Heat stroke is the same way. People always say getting heat stroke once makes you more likely to get it again. But no, you're just susceptible to heat stroke.
1: You, you live in a place that's really hot. Yeah. And you, oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> and
2: also, you might be like sort of just genetically predisposed. Yeah.
1: Um, I bet you could have expected this. Um, why do beans make you pass gas?
2: Um, there are some indigestible sugars on the surface of beans that uh, – so like two two sugar molecules bonded together in a way that our bodies can't break apart and turn into energy, but microbes can. And when they do that, they produce gas, um, which you have to fart out.
1: There we go. Uh, the follow-up question to the fart question was, could poo power help heat a country? Could you use human
2: toilet waste to make electricity? Um, yeah, you can. Um, it's called, I think, a bio digester, maybe. And it's not usually used with human poop, but it is It is used with uh, livestock waste, where you get it all together. Uh, and, and it's more the microbes breaking the waste down um, and then capturing the methane that comes off of it as biomethane, which would technically be carbon neutral because it was plants that created the sort of carbon bonds in the first place and they to do that they pulled CO2 out of the air also um livestock manure is used all over the world has been since the beginning of livestock as a a heating source um and not not ideally it would be better if we didn't do that because it it's not great to breathe in just like wood um we shouldn't be using wood for heating but we still do in a lot of the world
1: we do and a lot of people blame global warming on cow farts. So yeah. odd odd question here. Um we really is this focused on farts. It's a lot of farts. I have a I have a very big male audience. I don't know if you know that. Me and the boys <laughs> <laughs> I'm so grateful for them. I don't think people would expect that. I have a I have a really big male audience and a lot of them are like military yeah. veterans and a lot of them are Midwestern <laughs> and we're just, I'm I'm so grateful to them. They send me the most hilarious DMs. So this is the last question in this round okay. is um, I'm seeing a lot of like meat substitutes. I'm seeing a lot of like the Beyond Burgers and stuff like that, lab meat. What about insects? Could I survive on just eating insects instead of meat?
2: Oh yeah, I mean, instead of meat, for sure. Um, I think that uh, an all insect diet might leave you deficient in something. I don't know what, but maybe not. I mean, insects have a lot of the amino acids we need. A lot of the they got a lot of fat. They got a lot of vitamins and minerals. But yeah, insects are a, a common source of nutrition in a lot of the world, and, and have been in human history for a long time. We we are in America. We are among the exceptions in that there is like I think zero insect. In our diet at all? A lot of places have, you know, it's just a normal part of the diet.
1: I did work for the Economist, and they were hard pushing, maybe like five or six years ago, crickets. We were really trying to get people to eat crickets. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think, they were tasty. I see. think about
2: this a lot. I one of the one of the uh, things is also um, you need to feed uh, animal protein to animals when you're farming them. Uh, this is very true for like uh, a lot of fish. Um, and a lot of the way that we do farmed like salmon right now is you catch wild sardines and then you feed the wild sardines to the farmed salmon. So it's still very impactful, especially because a lot of those sardines are farmed in places that are or fished in places that are overfished. And then, you know, you're taking away the food of the penguins and you don't want to do that. So there's been a lot of push toward trying to convert that to like fly larva rather than sardines, which... You maybe can't do 100%, but you can do like a 50-50 mix, which is would be great.
1: Yeah. Hank, I have Except again – People are working on the problems. Abort, see, smart people working on the problems. Yes, you can eat insects, but no, you cannot eat grass.
2: You can't – well, you could. You could. And, all, and actually, we do because because wheat and corn are both grasses.
1: Yes. So, damn. But don't eat your lawn that grass. Is. I feel like that's no. – <laughs> Hank Green I have learned so much from you and I've had such a blast just chatting with you mostly about farts which I you know what I mean like we it's Friday we need a fart joke Friday that's (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh man. man it's Friday it's Friday we're living our best life it's the last thing
2: on my schedule. I know. What do I do now?
1: Well, I won't keep you from it because I want you to go, uh, you know, make yourself a science-based cocktail or whatever it is that you're potentially into. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I appreciate you so much. Your friendship, your knowledge, just the way that you interact with the world and make it a better place. Thanks so much. Thanks, Hank. The Interesting is a Lemonada Media original. Our producers are Jorge Olivares, aria Bracci and donnie matias our vice president for weekly programming is steve nelson executive producers are stephanie whittles and jessica cordova kramer mix and scoring is by brian castillo and johnny vince evans music by seth applebaum please help others find the show by rating and reviewing wherever you listen and follow us across all social platforms at Vita spear at under the desk news and at lemonada media If you want more Be Interesting, subscribe to Lemonada Premium
0: only on Apple Podcasts. What do weddings, Instagram, and toxic relationships all have in common? They take your money and you can't get it back. 16 grand, somewhere in there, gone. There's no legal solution for the fact that you married an asshole. Welcome to The Dough. I'm X Mayo. We're diving into the stories surrounding the Moolah baby. The good, the bad, and the unexpected. Yeah, we're talking about it all. The Dough is out now, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hola, amigos. It's Chef Jose Andres. I am a cook and someone that passionately believes complex problems often have very simple solutions like sitting down together and sharing our stories. Now, guess what? I have a podcast, Longer Tables, where I do just that. Each episode features brilliant people like Stacey Abrams, Ron Howard, and Jane Goodell talking about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Longer Tables... Whatever you get podcast.